Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today, I'm joined by Adam McLaughlin from all the way out in California. Uh, thanks for joining me, Adam. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. So Adam runs a company named Zooted Glassworks, where he makes absolutely beautiful glassware. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you know I'm a little bit uh, obsessed with glassware. So when I was introduced to Adam, I was like, Adam, you have to come on because I love glassware and what you make is beautiful. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And serendipitously, as I was telling you earlier, today I officially announce a new sponsor of the podcast, uh, Atlantic Custom Solutions, who makes uh, custom branded glassware for breweries, wineries, and distilleries. So it's just like a neat little tie-in with, uh, and then even on other glassware news, I'm not going to, I'll flash it real quick, but if you're listening to this, uh, go to uncappedpodcast.com and you can see any pictures of stuff I talk about. The glassware for Super Hype Bros 3.0 was delivered today, and it's even better than the renders were. So that'll be out on uh, December 11th. I almost forgot. Um, so check that out. It'll they'll be for sale at uh, on Saints Row's website, which I think is SaintsRowBrewing.com or something like that. But if you just Google Saints Row Brewery, you'll find it. Um, all right, enough shameless self-promotion out of the way. Let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> so wait, what, what are you drinking first? So you, you just cracked open a beer. What I know, um, it's kind of hard to come by good beer out in California. So, oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, we seem to have no problem over here. No, not I, we, I was out there. Oh, it's been forever now, but it was in the San Diego area, uh, visiting family and I, I can't remember how many breweries we visited while I was out there. Yeah, they got a lot out there. Um, um, I, I think uh, McKellar Brewing is, that's one of my favorites down in the... Uh, right, they're great. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, right now um, I'm on my last sip of some uh, some Henhouse uh, IPA. One of their, like, uh, they call it like the Stoked Edition. Um, Henhouse is definitely kind of like a staple up in kind of like Northern California. Um, but I'm pretty excited. I'm about to crack, um, one of my favorites, uh, this one's from bear bottle in, uh, San Francisco. Okay. Uh, it, it's a kettle sour. Um, but what I really like about this one is it's a lot of ke- kettle sours kind of tend to have like one taste and like a little bit of a sourness to them. Yeah. The, uh, tartanic is, is awesome. Uh, it's uh, passion fruit and black cur- currant. Um, and yeah, just really been loving everything that bear bottle has been doing recently. So I will continue my streak of bringing up Jan- Sands Jams during an episode of Uncapped since you just mentioned a ketted, kettled sour with lots of flavors. This was <laughs> a, a, um, pineapple mango crisp inspired. Uh, so it has pineapple mango, vanilla, and cinnamon in it. And it's absolutely delicious. And I'm drinking just so happened to be out of a beautiful glass made by zooted himself awesome man got the full combo going <laughs> yeah it may and it enhances the flavor immensely <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean if you're gonna have a handcrafted you know beer and uh, might as well drink it out of a handcrafted cup 
So how um, how did you get started in Glassbook? Because you you appear to be fairly young. Um, mm-hmm. Although I wonder is that is that a thing where it's like old people and young people do it? Because it seems like anyone I know that I've ever met that did any kind of glass work, they're either really old or they're young. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's actually a really good observation is, um, you know, when you're young, depending on your situation, um, you know, uh, you're not necessarily needing to provide for a family and for other people. Um, and so I, I think that that glass blowing is not an easy thing to one, do, and then two, to try and make a living off of. Um, so it can be, it can be difficult, especially for those in between years, you know, it's like when you're younger, you know, you can play around with glass and do it as like a hobby kind of thing, but you start getting into your thirties and forties. And, you know, if you're planning on making a family and stuff like that, um, man, it's hard to make a living off of blowing glass. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. When you say you see like a lot of younger people getting into it, um, and then you kind of have on the other end of the spectrum, um, people that are either like older um, and like retired artists throughout their life or just people that are looking for something fun and new to do and um, have a little extra, I don't know, time and cash to, to start a new hobby. Um, so. so is this a hobby for you or do you make your living off oh, of Oh, yeah. This is a, a full-time job for Okay, me. that's what I thought because it seemed like, like from watching on Instagram – there's no way you could be churning out as much as you do and it not be something that you're dedicating your entire day to. Totally. Yeah. From literally from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed, um, glasses is on my mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm right now I'm 25. I've been doing this for about five years. Um, and when I, when I, how I got into it, I guess was, um, I was just in a spot that everyone is at a certain time in life where, I had graduated high school, didn't really have plans to go on to college, wasn't like crazy interested and didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, um, I like to work. I like to be busy. Um, and when I graduated high school, I was like, well, what am I, what am I going to do? You know, all my friends are going to college or they have some form of something that they were pursuing. Um, so that time in my life was like, I was really open to new things, um, and had zero clue what I wanted to do. Um, so I, honestly, I kind of fell into it where, um, I was hanging out with some friends, um, and one of them had come back from the East coast who was going to college at a, I think it was Am- Amherst university or uh, Amherst. Yeah. Amherst. Yeah. Um, so he came back and basically was saying how much he was loving the flame working studio that they had and telling me all about glass blowing and like. Like it seems silly now, but like I never back then five years ago, I didn't I didn't ask any questions as to how glass was made. Like, honestly, I didn't even I didn't even know the extent as to like, you know, this whole world. Um, it just never even crossed my mind that that glass was like a handcrafted item. And <laughs> that sounds totally ridiculous to say now. Yeah. Now that you make your living doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. And um, and really the timing worked out, worked out insanely well where um you know my friend had come back he told me how excited he was and i picked up on that excitement and um i just signed up for a class um there was a studio in oakland called the crucible it's kind of like a a big place where you can learn metal or wood or neon or glass like uh, that's a pretty sweet name for what it is too (laughs) (laughs) 
badass as hell, dude. Like that place, um, that place really changed my life. Um, and like, I remember signing up for a class, kind of not knowing what to expect. It was like a, I don't know, I think like a two or three day experience. Um, and I'll never forget this feeling, man. Like, um, we go through all the safety stuff. We've had hours of talking back and forth. Um, and we finally get to the point where we're turning on the torches and melting down our first little gather to try and make like a clear marble. Um, the, uh, it, it hit me instantly. Um, just like the, the material resonated with me. Um, this sounds totally ridiculous, but the second I started melting down this little blob of glass, uh, I had this like insane feeling of deja vu. Um, and it just, it instantly, <clears throat> I focused in, I lost sense of time. Um, and it just captured, uh, everything, everything about my life. So really from that moment on, um, about five years ago at that class in the crucible, I've been, I've been lucky, lucky enough to, um, focus for the most part full time on, um, on uh, trying to trying to learn the techniques necessary and to try and build a business um, that I can sustain myself to hopefully be a glass artist uh, through my life. So do you have your own shop and store or what is your setup? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so right now I work, um, I work out of a, in Northern California out of this small town and called Sebastopol. Um, and uh, really I moved up there because there was um there was a, a public studio. Um, the shop is called West County Glass. Um, there's maybe, you probably have seven, seven other artists, including myself that work there full time. Um, and so it's kind of like a collective studio. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's, it's really a neat place. Like I've been working there um, probably coming up on three years. And uh, I remember when I first came in, uh, I could, I mean, I could make some stuff, you know, but like, uh, was, was totally green. Um, and so the people, the people at that studio, I've just learned, um, so much both in terms of skills and philosophy and just, you know, the ways to live your life that, um, uh, the shop I'm at right now is, is, is really an amazing place. Um, with that being said though, uh, I am really excited, um, uh, just with the the boom recently on the pine glasses and everything else, and expanding my team, I am looking at building uh, building my own shop and expanding. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I I've seen um, more and more places where your glassware is popping up, and it <laughs> and it's very you definitely have a style of your own. Like I can, if someone posts something, I can recognize it if it's one that you've made it you have like a, yeah. a signature style definitely yeah absolutely is um yeah i've, I've spent a, I've, I've spent a lot of time recently um uh trying to give uh my customers and followers as many options as possible while staying true to um kind of like the nature of these glasses um it gets the the size of um these vessels that I work on are, um, are much larger than you would expect, um, from someone that's doing flame working. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's, um, I really try to just give as many options possible while still letting the glass, um, I don't even say it kind of work like it's clear. Um, it, these, these pints can start getting, um, really complicated and really time consuming when you start adding, you know, 
all these intricate sections and full color and, you know, combining different things to make one, one vessel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been cool where, uh, I try to have as many designs as I can possibly do that still keep the integrity of the glass and don't, uh, you know, make me work like, uh, you know, a day and a half on yeah. one glass thing. Yeah. I mean, I watched that, um, glass blowing show on Netflix. So I'm pretty much an expert on, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, right. the ins and outs on how you make things. You don't really yeah. have to explain anything. <laughs> well, the, well, and that is to be said, I know nothing. <laughs> that is that is a really good um, point to bring up. Um, is like, uh, I mean, even I mentioned five years ago before I got into this was um, I knew no, I didn't even know this existed, you know. Um, and so it's kind of cool um, the style of of glass blowing that I do, and also the glass that we use is a little bit more unique than you would expect. Um, for instance, um, on the show that you were watching, Blown Away on Netflix, um, that's usually what people think of when they hear uh, about glass blowing. It's kind of like the big metal blowpipe and very Venetian. You have the, like the team of people working and gathering yeah. glass. Um, the big furnace and yeah, totally the, the big furnace. Um, and I've done a little bit of that work. Um, that's all like to get a little bit more technical. It's it all uses um, like soft glass, which is really kind of the most common glass that you find like if you buy a crate and barrel you know two dollar glass it's going to be made out of soft glass same with your windows and your your automotive stuff okay well um, let, let me let me pause you real quick um oh, yeah. you're actually going straight into where i wanted to segue into after um uh, a, a sponsor break but you're better than me and just went straight into it because you, you had mentioned uh, before when we were talking earlier and while we were recording flame work so it that made me realize there must be different ways and styles of of uh, making glass products. So I wanted to ask you about that, but let's first take a real quick sponsor break, and then we can dig into what all those differences are that you were starting to tell us. Sounds great. We'll be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. 
Okay, so what is that style called then? Um, like on so the, the show Blown. Oh, that's a yeah, beautiful beer too, isn't it? Yeah, check out the color on this one. Yeah, this that's bottle uh, Tartanic. Um, yeah, nice and it's got a nice red hue to it. Um, really, one of my favorites. <laughs> so. What you do, you refer to as flame work. What is that style called? Or in okay. this style, the proper the proper terminology, or is it more of the process, I guess? Um, you know, I guess it's both. Um, they're, they're really like two completely different things. Um, the, the style of glass blowing that I do is called flame working. And really the biggest difference is that um, instead of gathering molten hot glass, um, our glass comes in uh, rods and tubes. So it comes in all sorts of different sizes. Um, you can get all the way, you know, tiny little six mil things all the way to big honkers that are like 100 millimeters, you know. Um, this, and the biggest, the biggest difference um, is that we're working on a torch instead of kind of like a big reheating chamber. Um, I'll, have, uh, I'll have some videos linked link to my website uh, and also my Instagram so you can see a little bit deeper into the process. Um, but yeah, we work on, uh, on big torches. They're power, powered by like oxygen and propane. It's kind of cool. Like, um, they, it kind of looks like a lightsaber. <laughs> nice. It's like this, this big torch, big face on it. Um, and it literally just shoots out this big, bright blue flame. Um, and yeah, it takes about like 3000 degrees to, to melt the glass that we use. Um, Another one of um, uh, the key differences between the styles of blowing glass is the glass that we use is completely different in formula um, than most common glasses. Um, and so the glass we use is called boral silicate. Uh, it's really similar to like your Pyrex cookware um, that you'd see. I don't know if your mom makes a pie in there, or, you know, your measuring cups, they're all, if it's glass, it's most likely made out of boral silicate. Well, um, I'm old. Uh, so we have our own Pyrex stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, um, what's cool about that Pyrex stuff is, um, you know, you could take it and put it in the oven at 400 degrees, bake whatever you're trying to do, uh, and throw it in the freezer. And that glass is not going to crack on you. Um, it's really resistant. To and you can chuck it against the wall and it's pretty much indestructible. <laughs> that too. The, so the does that mean, does that mean this glass is very durable? The one, okay, so that I actually I, I meant to tell you before we start recording, I had a small panic where this glass was in very real danger because I had set it on a table off to the side of where I'm at, uh -oh. along with the box of this brand new glassware from Saints Row. Oh no! And my daughter, for some reason, went under the table thought like her a bag was stuck or something and like just flipped it over and everything oh. on the table went flying thank <sighs> so thankfully what i mean a tiku is typically like you can look at these wrong and they fracture none of them yeah. broke um but thankfully i i had already moved um the the glass you made onto my desk so it was it was out of harm's way and safe so i didn't i didn't uh, learn whether or not it, it would have withheld falling I don't know at two and a half feet three feet onto hardwood <laughs> <laughs> I 
Totally, man. Like, um, and you, there are limitations to everything, of course, you know. Um, yeah. Um, the, the, the glass is, it's a lot stronger um, than like your normal drinkware. Um, and where the strength comes from mostly is, um, is it's resistant to thermal shock. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like, um, uh, you know, I, I could pour boi- boiling water into one of my pints or some nice hot cup of coffee or something um, and uh, have zero worry that it's going to crack. Um, the cool thing about this glass, like I literally take a piece of glass and can throw it just right into the flame uh, at 3000 degrees and it's chilling. Um, so it's, uh, it's a little bit more resistant to like shock in terms of dropping. Um, but all things considered it is glass. Yeah. Um, yeah. No matter how strong glass is, if it hits at the right angle, it's going to shatter no matter what. <laughs> yes, very much so. And, uh, I have broken plenty of glass glasses in my day. <laughs> so done, done the other way. Does that mean like, is it then if you were to take it out, can you not, I guess, take it out of the flame and then just cool it right away? Would it then not be able to withstand that or? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good question and it can get, um, it can get pretty technical. Um, like the short answer is yes, is, um, if I, like I could make a pint glass or a tulip or a stemless, um, and just from my fluency with the material, um, I'm, I'm very confident that I could just set it on the table at, you know, close to the melting point, have it anneal, um, just on the bench essentially, and have it like be a solid glass. Now, that being said, there is a process um, that every single glass goes through where once I finish it, I throw it into the kiln, which is basically, uh, it's like a big oven. Um, it, it holds at about 1,050 degrees, which is just above the strain point of the glass. Um, and so what that is doing, I guess, is um, the glass wants to cool evenly and at an even rate. Um, so if I just toss a pint glass on my bench and say, I'm going to let it cool right here. Um, one part may cool faster than the other. And that cooling, um, like on like an atomic level is the atoms are moving at different speeds and that wants to, it basically, it, it adds stress to your glass. Um, so what we do to alleviate that stress is we throw it in the kiln after making it, it soaks at 1050 degrees makes the whole glass, you know, through and through from the inside to the outside, um, an even temperature. And then over the night, it slowly ramps down um, so that the glass is cooling at an even rate uh, and just alleviates all stress. Um, so I guess like uh, the short answer is, is um, yes, I could just anneal a glass and just put it on my bench after making it, um, but it would have some residual stress in there. And um, down the line, it would be a little bit more susceptible to cracking. Okay. So it, it, that, that kilning process makes it a little bit, or maybe a lot stronger when it's done that way. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like tempered steel in a way where it's like, if you just, you know, heat up some steel, um, and then let it cool, um, it's, it's going to be more brittle than if you heat up some steel and dunk it and do like the whole, um, process to make that material happy again. So we can um, before I had interrupt you earlier, you were starting to talk about soft glass. M- most things that you just buy off the shelf are soft glass. So w- what is that difference between like what you referred to as soft glass? And I'm assuming 
the opposite what you use is hard glass yeah yeah hard glass is definitely another term for it um like a boral boral silicate is like the um is the is what we call the glass that we use um for the soft glass world it's like a soda lime glass um and uh, there's all sorts of differences um for i would say that the most major one besides like the, the resistant the thermal shock um is that i'm able to um vaporize metals um and have it stick to the outside of the glass and basically like become part of that glass um so if you look at a lot of my glassware on instagram or uh, even right here like this stemless for instance um it's a little bit hard to tell with the lighting that i have but it has a slightly yellow and blue hue to it um and the way that we get that um is i take literally a, a tiny little piece of silver um, put it on the end of the rod and vaporize it onto the glass as I'm as I'm making it. Um, if I were to do that with uh, soda lime glass or or soft glass, um, the silver would just kind of bake off. Um, it wouldn't really be as um, as a, as appealing as it is in boral silicate. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's really a ton there's really a ton of differences. Um, th those who are um, uh, more, uh, I guess, fluent in, in the glass world. Um, the, the cups and vessels and the size of things that I'm, that I'm making, uh, flame working on the torch is definitely pushing, pushing the limits in terms of, um, size and scale. Um, and a lot of things flame working are kind of a little bit smaller in scale. Like you'll see a lot of beads, you know, or little knickknacks or things like that. Um, in terms of the soft glass world, that's when it's like, you can get some really big vessels, you, you know, um, is, is that, um, due to like thermal properties and evenly heating what you're making the the limit, yeah. like the limitations on sizing? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it comes, um, in the soft glass world. Um, yeah, like the whole studio is, is set up, um, to make basically like big vessels, um, at least most studios. Um, so it's like, you could quickly make, you know, cups or pints or things like that and pattern them. Um, but you could also make, you know, large scale, big vases and all sorts of things like that. When we look at flame working and working on a torch, um, we're mostly, we're limited a lot by the size of the torch that we have. Um, and also our, our ability to work that material is, um, when you start scaling up in flame working, um, it really starts adding a whole nother level of, um, uh, complexity to, to the thing. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard to, um, uh, I guess to, to say the differences between the two, because a lot of things are similar and we can make similar things. Um, but for the most part, flame working is kind of like smaller, smaller items, um, and trying to make, you know, <laughs> 20 ounce vessels or, you know, things around that, that size is definitely, um, it's, uh, common in, in soft glass. Um, but it's much more pushing the limits in terms of what we can do on the torch these days. Okay. Um, let's take, uh, one more sponsor break. And when we get back, I want to talk about how that stemless you held up had all the wrapping of color and all that stuff. I want to talk about how that's accomplished. Cause I, my mind just can't wrap around how that's done. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. So we'll be right back. The Uncapped Podcast is brought to you by District East, 
A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for Crowler and Growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. Yeah, so anyone who's seen the pictures that I've posted of um, my Holy Grail, as you call them, uh, mine's plain uh, because I'm neurotic and... I think way too much about photographing beer. So you were kind enough to make me just a plain, beautifully shaped, but with nothing to get in the way of seeing the beer. Um, Which though I saw you post that this is actually rare. So it kind (laughs) of, it kind of makes it special then I guess it's, it's uh, um, plainness makes it special. (laughs) You know, it it like um, at this point in my work, it kind of does. Um, most of the glasses that I've been working on have the silver fume, they have the patterning, and the things that really make you say, that's his duty glass works cup. Um, and um, as I've been expanding and more and more people have been interested in the glassware, um, I've really been coming across a different type of clientele where um, as, as fun as the fuming is and the decorations and everything, um, a lot of people wanna see the true color of the beer. I mean, for instance, the the tartanic that I just poured in here, I have the same thing going on where I have a clear glass just with some color bands, um, but I can still see the true color of the beer and like um, kind of, I guess, keep with the integrity of that. Um, so it, there are options to to buy the clear glass, um, but right now they're, uh, they're um, upon request only. So what you're saying is I'm not the only neurotic one. No, <laughs> there are many out there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's actually really cool. Is um, you know, I, I started in a little bit different of an industry, um, and uh, we'll save that because we are we are going to talk about that a lot too. Because cool. like, okay. uh, so we'll we'll get into that after um, because that 
is even more mind blowing of, I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into those pipes. <laughs> um, so first I want to say like the fume process, I had no idea that that was just actual fumes of a metal. So what all different kind of metals can you use for that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> for the most part, um, I stick to, um, little silver pellets. Okay. I'm literally taking a piece of like, 0.999 silver finding it down um we take this little glass rod pick up the silver um and then by changing the the ratios of gas to oxygen on your torch you can kind of you can make it so that the heat in the flame is just pushing all these silver silver vapors essentially onto your glass um and you end up with kind of like it almost it looks like this like graphite kind of like exterior, but as you're melting it in and working in the glass, um, all of that silver really just bakes into the glass. It kind of vaporizes away a little bit. What's really cool about it is that you can, you can get several hues out of the same metal. Um, so just within silver, you can get all sorts of really nice blues to yellows to even like grays and some other ones in between. Um, and that's just silver too, is, um, gold fuming is another big one is, um, I mean, you take literally a piece of a piece of gold, find it down into little like chunks, pick it up, same process, um, a little bit different flame chemistry, and then you can get a whole nother range of color spectrums from oranges to like, uh, you know, really dark, like it, it can be like a mirror finish if you put enough of the, uh, oh, that's the, really cool. Yeah, so um, gold and silver are probably the two most common metals that are used to um, to to fume and to get colors into the glass. Um, there are some other weird ones, like I think tungsten is one, but it's kind of like a I don't know. Gold and silver are definitely um, the the number the the best ones that give you really cool. Completely colors. completely unrelated and off topic. There, for some reason, there are a ton of YouTube channels right now that have solid, solid blocks of tungsten that they're just dropping through stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know why all, like, there must be this company that makes things out of tungsten that's sending them, but because like, if you go to the website where they say they're from, they're like $2,500 and well, cause tungsten's one of the, uh, the densest metals so this i can't remember what the size of the the block is but it's not big like you could you could it easily fits in the palm of a hand but it weighs 45 pounds oh my god so so they like just make videos of them dropping it on stuff oh god hey, it's just, better than videos of people eating tide pods <laughs> yes very, very true <laughs> but it's like it's just weird how it's all become a thing where people are just dropping tungsten <laughs> bricks through things yeah it's yeah it's tung tungsten's a pretty cool cool material uh especially when it comes to glass blowing is um we use them as like picks so they come it kind of just looks like an ice pick kind of mm -hmm. thing um but it's got really unique properties to it where uh if you heat it up in a certain way um it won't stick to your glass like metal will um so i can literally like i have a, a piece of tungsten attached to a drill um and this gets kind of complicated, I guess, but I can drill holes in the glass like it's a piece of wood. Um, oh, wow. Just with we, this type of 
Yeah, because I think there's the melting point of tungsten's like three thousand degrees or something like that. It's super high and it it's really hard. Like, I don't know. I've I've apparently watched too much YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you went down the rabbit hole. I, I did. Well, no. What's crazy is that it's on like just YouTube channels that I watch regularly, but are completely unrelated to anything that has to do with tungsten <laughs> blocks of tungsten. <laughs> That's why that's why I found it just to be so weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out after this. This is the most random thing. <laughs> Although one of the channels that's I mean, that's what they do. They they it's it's in Australia. Man, I've taken this so off topic. Um, but it's these three guys in Australia that climb to the top of this um I don't know, it's some kind of tower. I don't know what it was built for, what it is, and the name of the channel is how ridiculous. And they basically just drop different things on top of different things to see what will happen. And they post so slow-mo videos of it. Love it. But I, I, I had some pints. I dropped something on it. I mean, it's amazing, though. It's it's hilarious. And my five-year-old loves watching the videos with me. <laughs> That's great. So right. how much gold does it take to when you're doing? Is it just a tiny little bit or? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it um some of that depends on how good you are at it. Um, for, <laughs> for yeah. when I first started learning how to, how to fume, um, it's a really finicky thing. Um, the fume wants to burn off your glass really easy. Um, so if you don't work it in the proper flame or if you overwork your glass, um, it's just going to disappear on you. Um, so when I first started uh, silver fuming, um, and gold fuming, um, man, I was using so much more than I should just because I didn't know the the properties of the flame and how to get it to really just kind of vaporize off. Um, so uh, I guess a skilled flame worker, they're like, yeah, it just takes a little fleck of silver or a tiny little <laughs> bit of gold to do that, you know, but like I certainly have gone through some, um, some silver and gold where I'm like, that all just melted away to nothing. So <laughs> there's, those early glasses were really expensive. <laughs> kind of the opposite they was it's a major loss <laughs> but hey every, it, that's what it takes to to learn and to get where you are today you know so the the one glass you showed had the the striping done on it how do you do that yeah definitely so um my glass were um most of them have all sorts of different types of patterning um i do three different main styles this one is kind of like a swirl where you have a nice you know swirl it comes down to a little termination um and all my glasses have lip wraps as well uh just really kind of like pops the color and from a customer point of view you can really customize and kind of make things your own <clears throat> so this one's the swirl um this one is the bands it's just nice little concentric rings and any anyone who's listening to this just audio go to um uncappedpodcast.com and i'll post uh, photos of all the different things that we're talking about so you can see them wonderful yeah uh, the tulip with the the chaos lines uh, so these are kind of the three we got the chaos the bands and the swirl in a number of different colors um, and so how do we get that onto the glass um, basically like as I as I mentioned before instead of gathering molten glass and starting like that we start with big rods and tubes um, so I guess you know my average day I pretty much take these big tubes, separate them all down into smaller little, we call them blanks or points. 
and it's basically your canvas. It's like a chunk of glass with a long handle on the end so that I can hold it. Um, you'll see on my website, zootedglassworks.com, uh, or my Instagram, zootedglassworks, um, there's gonna be a lot more process videos coming out. But essentially what we're doing is we're taking those blanks of glass with the clear handle on it, vaporizing a little bit of silver on there, and then I go in with color rods, whether it's a, a you know, color rod of white or caramel or red or whatever color that we provide. Um, and basically what we're doing is we go on and we tag it and just essentially they're all wraps in a certain way. So if we're doing the bands, we tag it, we rotate, we try and keep it in one solid band. If we're doing a spiral, you know, we go onto one end and we slowly spiral it up. Um, so it's similar to like, I mean, if I, if I had like, um, uh, uh, if I uh, dunk like a, a spoon into honey and I touch that, you know, piece of honey on the end of a corn dog or something, you know, <laughs> like, and I was <laughs> rotating it, uh, that honey is going to trail off just like the, the colored glass that we do, um, and provide whatever, you know, decoration or design that we're doing at that moment. So, oh, so that's all added before the glass is made when it's still yeah. just the okay i see i had no idea i yeah, assumed that like, was like you make the glass and then you add the <laughs> holy yeah so it's all it's all glass none of it is painted on you know everything is um is uh borosilicate glass coming together to make one final product um and so um there's more videos coming out that's really going to like bring this to to light on how we make this stuff um but yeah it it's literally we have a, like a clear little cylinder. Um, after silver fuming, we put whatever pattern is on there. And like um, once that's on there, we start to melt it in, blow it up to whatever shape we're working on, and um, take it take it from there. Oh, so the fuming is done before the glass is formed, also. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, the fuming is like the is is the first step in the process. Um, and I mentioned earlier, it can be kind of a finicky thing where it really wants to. My two problems are I either burn it completely out or I put way too much on and it kind of like turns this to me an unappealing gray or yellowish color. Uh, so it's really the the fuming when it's done first, it gives me a little bit more time to say um, I want this much coated. And if I do too much, I can burn a little off. If there's too little, I can add a little bit more. And then just through the process of adding the colored lines, blowing it up to our shape, um, the fume bakes into the glass and will, you kind of come up with like these ratios of saying like, okay, there's this much fume on here and I have to blow it up and work it this much. So that amount of heat is going to burn off roughly this much. Um, and it sounds complicated and a lot of it just kind of like comes with time and experience and like fume is one of those things that like I can do, but I don't know why or how. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's the art part of it. Exactly. Like exactly. there, there's obviously a ton of science there, but and but also a, a lot of art. So I, I would imagine, unless you're sitting there with um, all kinds of expensive equipment, um, <laughs> just the trial and error is how you figure out how to do it. <laughs> man, and it, it's funny too, man. Like <clears throat> there's um, there's a couple of artists I really love fuming. Um, and there's a couple of artists that, that I follow and um, collect their work. Um, and I heard one of them say the other day, he's been working for, you know, 20 plus years. And he's like, dude, I finally just figured out silver fuming. 
<laughs> doing this every day, you know, over the last 20 years. And I'm just like, wow, man, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that there's, um, there's so much more than meets the eye. Um, and there's always more possibilities with it as well. So of the designs you make, which is your favorite? I personally, I really love the tulip. Uh, this one is the tulip. <clears throat> He's got those tight hips, slender lips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just fits really well in your hand. Um, it's to me, it's a really appealing shape. Um, but a really close second would have to be the Holy grail it is like this cup. I mean, you feel like a king when you're drinking from something like this. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the lighting isn't quite getting, getting the, uh, the design and the color, uh, as accurate, but the Holy grail is, um, not only fun to drink out of, uh, but it's also, it's one of the more challenging shapes, shapes that I make, um, flaring open like these, these wider sections. Like if you look between the tulip versus the whatever it is, you know, one is a lot wider than the yeah. other. Um, and so the wider of a flare, the more heat, the less room for air. Um, and it, to me, it really was a, a milestone and an accomplishment to, um, to add the Holy grail to my lineup. Uh, cause it gave me a run for my money when I was trying to, to dial this shape in. So you had mentioned that you didn't start out making, um, beer vessels. Um, so in, and what is, is the term called he, heady glass? What is heady glassware? Cause I've heard that before. Like I, this isn't, uh, one of those subcultures that I'm just starting to dip my toes in and don't understand yet, which it's, I mean, it's the beauty of the internet is there's all these subcultures of people who know all this stuff and are tight knit on what they love. They found their niche. But then when you try to get like cursory understanding of it, you're just completely confused, especially when you're old. <laughs> I feel that man. It's, uh, it, I've been, for the most part in like the heady glass world. And like, I've been, um, as, as I've been expanding, been reaching out to more people on Instagram that were in a completely separate community. Um, so it's been kind of interesting to see the two like met together. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I, I didn't start, um, making glassware and vessels and, um, and this type of work. Um, I started more kind of in the cannabis and the head shop industry, um, flame working, at the time, especially when I was starting, just had this huge boom. Um, color companies were making new colors. There were tool companies that were providing, you know, new tools that were really just expanding and reaching out to, to all of the artists. Um, and there was this huge boom in the glass scene about five years ago. Um, and so that definitely um, helped me on my path. Um, and like when I started, the kind of the the way that I saw most people doing it was um, uh, through the cannabis industry. Um, so my work's taken several turns over over the last five years. Um, but when I started, my roots were definitely um, kind of in wholesale orders for head shops across the country. Uh, I made a lot of, you know, Fritz spoons and bubble caps and, you know, just little things for that that industry um, <clears throat> and the online the online portion of it has been huge too where um, glass collectors cannabis enthusiasts and craft beer enthusiasts um, are all on Instagram and kind of um, conversing through that 
Um, so it's been really it's been really neat these past five years, especially this past year, um, where I've been seeing different communities kind of collide um, together. So it's funny that you know you're very much in the beer community and the staple in, in that, um, and you're um, asking me what is Heady Glass, and that's the world that I've been in. So it's cool to see the two um, intermingle. So, so heady glass is just the term for pipes or anything to do with cannabis and kind of uh, it, it's 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 more of a a general general term than something that uh, has to only do with cannabis. Like I would say that heady glass is a term for um, um, handmade glass um, that is um, worked head to toe. Okay. Um, so, for instance, if I take if if I take this tulip that's clear, you know, um, most people aren't going to say that's some heady glass, you know, but if I take something that is, you know, it's got the swirl or it's got more intricate patterning, um, something that's unique to the artist and kind of okay. makes you look and question and think like, um, it's, it's for your head, you know? So if you're looking at it and you're like, whoa, bro, you know, it's head. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so that's kind of the term is like, uh, um, it's become kind of like this vague thing, but it's not specific to, um, cannabis only. Um, you know, you, you can make one a hell of a heady beer glass. <laughs> so I, one thing I, I find really cool, um, looking at your Instagram page, if you scroll all the way back to the beginning and just work your way up, you can see you evolve as an artist. And like, <laughs> But it, it's, yeah, it's 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 take it's over the years was um you know there was um there was times where it was just purely about the money and me saying ah, you know I don't I don't want to have to get a second job I'm I'm done yeah. being a barista that kind of thing <laughs> um, and focusing you know what is the shop going to be able to purchase but also make money on so that they come back to make a resale um, so that was kind of the beginning of my career and then it really progressed to. Um, once I, once I had some accounts and I knew that I could pay my bills a little bit, um, it progressed to how, how do I want to expand my skills? Um, what am I good at? What comes naturally and, and how, what's, what speaks to me as an artist, you know? Um, and so I just kind of went on this craze of, um, I'm making sculptural clowns and sculptural octopuses <laughs> and, um, all the way yeah, the before, octopus pipe you know, is crazy looking. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. The, um, there's, there's so many different avenues in, in glass blowing, um, and each Avenue could literally take your entire life to just get, you know, proficient or good at. Um, so the first, you know, few years of my career, um, really up until this last year have been kind of all over the place in terms of experimental, um, trying to grow my skills and, um, just find what resonated with me as an artist. Um, but the glassware and um, the cups, the pints, the stemware, all of that stuff since day one aesthetically has stuck with me. Um, and for some reason it like, it just won't, won't let go. Like I, I love making the pints and the glassware. It's just, it's so fun. Now, how the heck do you make the, so like, I guess one of the models you make is called the wishbone. Yes. Yeah. How do you make something like that? Like the, to, in my mind, that's impossible. 
I mean, uh, yeah, it's, um, you'd be surprised if, if I showed you the starting materials as to day one, if someone orders a wishbone and I'm going to start out, it literally looks like, like imagine a pencil that is three feet long, uh, and colored. It's just a piece of colored glass, you know? So they come as these rods and you have whatever color that you're trying to do. You're literally starting from a stick of glass, um, and ending up with something as intricate as the wishbone. Um, so something, something like that right now takes me close to two and a half to three days to produce. Um, that was my next question very, because I was expecting it to be a long time and that's even longer than I was. That's crazy. <laughs> it takes quite a bit of time. And like, um, it's one of those things, um, similar to math where if you mess up your equation in the beginning, the end result is never going to be correct. Um, and so oh, during those. A- that's got to be miserable if you finish and it didn't work right. Oh, oh my God. You know, it's, um, we all experience it as glass artists. Um, and it's something, um, it's something that I'm really proud of was, um, coming up with a design that was unique to me and then doing all the trial and error that it took to be able to achieve that shaping and level of construction. Um, and so, the wishbones I still make to this day. Um, I only do them direct to the customer. So I've stopped doing any wholesale on my recyclers um, purely because of time is like um, for me, the wishbone is something that is at the height of my skills um, and requires, you know, 200% of my concentration and attention. Uh, if you mess something up, uh, you know, day and a half in, you're starting back from zero. Um, and I'm so going to. I'm going to go out of a yeah. limb that these aren't cheap. They are not cheap. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. The wishbones start at 1800. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but, so but, cool. but like it, in like I'm saying, wow, but it's not because I'm saying, wow, like that, that seems ridiculous. Like it, I mean, it's a work of art. Absolutely. And I would be afraid um, to it, use it. <laughs> oh man yeah i've had that feeling too man like it's an interesting thing where um uh, i'll make a wishbone and throughout that process i kind of have this mind state of you know i'm going to do whatever it takes to make this the best piece that i possibly can so that means that you know if i want the base to be a little bit bigger but it looks good as is i'm going to blow it up a little bit bigger um but it's um it can be really stressful you know it's um especially when you try when i'm I'm trying to do this for a, a living. You got to weigh the pros and cons of, you know, three days of work. And if something goes wrong, you know, yeah. what do you, what do you do then, you know? Um, so the, is, the price, is yeah. that multiple pieces that are then fused together or? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Um, so each one, um, every little piece of tubing or armature that's going up is all an individual piece. Um, there's probably, there's, yeah, there's probably like eight, 18 pieces that are all, all put together. Um, and so that is one of the nice things about it is, um, and one of the big differences between my pints where my pints are, you know, you start with your blank, you blow it into a big bubble. Everything is so hot and floppy and fluid. Um, and it's gotta be done correctly the first time or it's bad. Um, the nice thing with the wishbones is I can make all the pieces to the puzzle. And if one of those pieces doesn't fit with it, it's all just chilling in my kiln. It's relaxed. It's happy. And I can take my time and say, I'm going to remake that piece so that 
okay. the whole puzzle really good together. So is it in those those fusing parts where something can go completely wrong two days oh, yeah. in? Absolutely is. Um, for for myself as a glass blower, one of my stronger suits is um, is shaping glass, um, and that's one of the funnest parts too. Um, so it's when I make a wishbone, you know, I'll, I'll spend a day making the color, prepping it all out, making sure I have enough. Um, and then I have a lot of fun shaping all the components. And I'm like, man, I love that base. I love the top you know, the donuts crispy. Uh, and the final day is where all the stress comes in, <clears throat> where it's like, how am I going to put all of this together, make it look as <clears throat> clean as possible. Um, and at the price point and with the clientele we're dealing with, um, one little air, bu- air bubble or little, you know, proportional, um, problem, um, could, could really make or break the sale, uh, with your collectors. Um, so it's, it certainly adds a, le- a level of, um, uh, of stress to the whole thing, but also it's a completely different set of skills that I use for the wishbone than I do for the, uh, for the pine glasses. So in, in that world is, you said collectors. So are there people that just go around and collecting like different artists like that? Is that a big time? Okay. Big time is, you know, I, uh, I've come across all, all sorts of collectors, you know, people that are saying, man, I just love fume glass, you know, and they're buying the pint purely because it's fumed nicely. Um, and there's, other, there's other people that, um, support me, um, just off of who I am. There's other people that support me off of the things that I make. Um, so that's one of the really cool things about the Instagram community is like, it really gives you access to, um, all these different collectors from, from all across the world. Um, and the more you, um, you envelop yourself in the scene, the more you realize like, um, it is a niche thing. Um, but the people that are into it are really into it. <laughs> um, so it's like, a, it's not like your average Joe that's putting in an order for a wishbone. It's usually someone that, um, that really knows about glass. Um, sometimes to a scary point where I'm talking to them about building a custom and things like that. And they know all the colors and they know the process and the whole thing. And you're like, dude, you should be a glass blower. Like what do you order? <laughs> so it's, um, you certainly deal with a, um, a little bit different of a, of a clientele. Um, so what you're saying is they're not like me just speaking gibberish to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so, that, but that's the thing is like, this is the world that I live in and this is the, this is what I'm around 24 seven. So it's like, it's really easy for me to realize, um, or to forget, uh, how unique and mysterious of a process this really is. Um, you know, it's, we see drinking glasses all around and like, it's probably, um, you know, an, an underrated or undervalued thing. Uh, five years ago, I never even considered how a glass was made. And yeah, most glasses made, you know, out of molds and that's why you can buy it for two bucks or something like that. But and then there's people like my getting... wife who absolutely hate glassware. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I no. mean, it's purely she based hates- upon the. Oh, it's, it's purely based on the amount that I have. <laughs> okay. I can see that you got boxes of, uh, of Mario bros stuff. And I, yeah, there, there are two full boxes of glasses sitting next to me. And then that whole bookshelf behind me is, <laughs> is filled with glassware. And then that bar cart right there, the whole bottom of its glassware. And then 
my office I'll at work you- is filled with glassware. I'll give you a quick look at my at my surround. I know I've got this nice background behind me, but to the left over here, I got a whole bunch of glasses that I just bought or not bought, <laughs> brought home from the studio today. And then over here, it's like even more boxes of just random, well, at random least, stuff. At least you have a good excuse. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yours, yeah. yours is making you money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see what you're talking about. <laughs> so what has... Um, what was that? I'm sorry, dude. That, that's my. I forgot to turn on "Do Not Disturb." Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> when uh, has your um, business shifted more towards the beer glasses now, or is it? Do you still do a lot of the wishbones and uh, the um, cannabis f- more focused stuff? Totally, totally. The um, right. I made it. I made a decision about eight months ago. Um, and as we were talking earlier, when you scroll down my page, you'll see all sorts of random stuff. Um, and like, uh, as good as that is for learning, um, and experiencing what you like in, in the material, it's certainly not good for business. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, about eight months ago, I really decided, um, man, I, I love making this glassware. Um, it's just, you know, captured, captured my whole life. Um, and so I decided to really just give it a go. Um, I came out with a number of different, um, collections and lines, uh, accessories and things that all kind of fed off of each other. And really one of my number, one of the best things about sticking with that is, um, is that there's really no, um, I guess like a, a stigma attached to it. Um, it can be hard to go. There still is, but it's much smaller, I think much smaller. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, most people can't resonate with me saying that I sell recyclers for, you know, almost $2,000. Um, and so it's, it's really been a fun change of pace, um, both where I've been dealing with a different clientele. Um, and, um, man, it's for me, I really love seeing my glass be used and enjoyed. Um, and when I switched over to making the glassware, um, there was just such positive results and responses that like, um, although I love my wishbone and I love the recyclers <laughs> I make, I decided to kind of put them on the back burner, make them for people that, you know, I know in real life and that would like, a, you know, a little piece of me, I guess. Um, and from a business point of view, Zooted Glassworks is a hundred percent focused on glassware, um, and really just like using the highest quality materials we can to produce the best glassware that we possibly can. Um, well, that's an ever evolving thing. That's one of the, th- this, um, the Holy grail I have, it, it f- just feels quality. Like it, it, like it does feel like you could chuck it across the room and it might survive it. Like it, like, it, like Pyrex, it feels like it's not heavy, but it feels substantial. And this is actually what I've been drinking out of at home almost exclusively lately when I'm just chilling, drinking a beer. I love to hear that, dude. Like, uh, I mean, I drink out of them myself and like, um, that's what keeps me going and gets me excited when I wake up in the morning is, uh, just all the positive responses out there. So, um, the gentleman that introduced us, Mac, um, who is, uh, imbibe photography on 
Instagram, great guy. He wanted to know if you could, where did I put the question? If you could build a glass piece for any celebrity, who would it be? Oh my God. And he even gave, he even gave suggestions of examples of like LeBron James just bought a tequila company. Um, so like a dope sipping glass for him or a dragon pipe for Seth Rogen. So either, either part of your world. Cut out a little bit. Oh geez. Ah, I'm back. There we go. You're back. Yeah. Can you see me? Oh yeah, there you are. Okay, okay sorry about that. Stupid internet. <clears throat> yeah, for real. Um, man, that's a question. Um, I personally, um, I don't know. I live so much in my own world that like I don't even like have names of celebrities on like the top <laughs> of my head. <laughs> um, See, if I honestly, were you, my my answer would just be I would make a pipe for Kevin Smith. <laughs> um. Although he has his own know. his own um, line of joints, so he may prefer rolling instead of a recycler. Totally. The, uh, <laughs> uh, th- this is probably a very glass blower answer kind of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it would be really cool to uh, to make some glassware for um, there. There's a, a an artist, um, Ch- Cesare Tofolo. Um, and he is, um, he's very Venetian, lives in Murano, um, but he has developed and pioneered so many techniques on the torch and has really, um, I, I've watched all of his videos, respect his work, and I don't see anyone else on his caliber. Um, so I think it would be, I think it would be a huge, huge honor to, to make something and, and send it his way. Of, um... So there's, and off the top of my head, I can't think of the name of anyone else. Um, there seems to be like quite a few other people making um, glassware on the caliber of yours. Are are there yeah. any of those that you admire that you? Would... Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Frick glass is huge. Um, I I yeah. really like his his style. I've um, heard that name before. His are like ridiculously yeah. expensive, aren't they? They are, they are not, they're not cheap. That's for sure is, um, you know, it's like, uh, although we are both glass, glass blowers and glassware makers, we're not necessarily in, we're in totally different markets. Um, where, you know, minimum for his glass, it's probably two, 250 bucks. Yeah. Um, but I really respect his work where he has kind of, he kind of was the forefront of this whole push. Um, I have had so many people um tell me that um you can't make a living off of glassware um and so it's really really cool and reassuring um and and builds hope in me um to watch someone like frick glass um do his thing um the the style that we that we do is completely different um he works on like a on a lathe um which which really enables him to to get some really clean crisp edges and sharp Maria's. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's definitely been a big boom in the glass industry, especially for glassware. And what I've seen from most people is, um, they're trying to make as uh, unique and intricate and uh, I guess heady of a glass <laughs> as they possibly can. 
um, and sell them for top dollar too is like I've been seeing glasses go from anywhere from like two to eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah, there's that. Um, um, who who makes the four fifty North ones? Do you know who that is? Oh, dude, it's on the top of my head. Because I know those one, like especially the four fifty North ones, yeah. go for obscene amounts of money. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's like a. a that's the niche niche culture uh, in there. Uh, I'm blanking on the artist's name, uh, but he does very good work as well. The um, the the biggest the biggest difference that sets me apart from most other um, glassware makers is that uh, everything I do is by hand. Um, there's no machine to to rotate it on center. If it's centered, it's because I did it, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's a big difference. Um, the quantity and scale and the price points of um, what I produce as well is appro- approached in a completely different manner. Um, I, right now, um, I'm one of the only people that I know of that's doing wholesale orders, um, fulfilling them on this scale, uh, and also producing, hun- I mean, hundreds of glasses. Um, so what I've been seeing for the most part in the industry is, um, artists trying to put their, you know, thoughts and efforts and care and produce the most intricate thing that they can to sell for the highest price point where I differ is I say, I have these collections, I have these shapes, I have several different color options with even more design options. And within each caliber of, or within each collection, there's up to 90 different variations, um, that you can choose from. So when you go on my website, zootoglassworks.com, you can click on a Pilsner or a Tumblr or a Holy Grail and literally customize it from everything from do you want fuming or do you want clear glass or do you want the bands or the spiral or whatever it is, is I'm approaching it in a way that $100 for a glass is not cheap, um, but it is um, it is reasonable and affordable for uh, hand-quality glassware of this caliber. Um, so right now, for me, in the future of Zuda Glassworks is um, – I'm trying to standardize and also give people as many options as they can so that when they're looking on the website, they feel confident and they can also personalize their pint to however they may feel. Um, so it's, I'm not a one and done kind of person. There are customs and there are things that I do um, to that nature. Um, but for the most part right now, what I've been focusing on the last few months and for the future of Zooty Glassworks has been um, standardizing, um, and then adding more options to those, uh, designs that I have already dialed in. What I, um, what I love about your offerings are they're not they're, they're They are beautiful and they're art, but they, they're also drinkable. Like it, it's something that you actually like, you want to look at it, but you also want to drink out of it because it drinks well. I see so many of the other ones that, it's more of just art. It looks beautiful. It looks amazing in a photo with beer in it, but looking at it, it doesn't look like something you'd want to just reach and drink a beer out of. Yeah. A a common problem that I, that I see with a lot of glassware, for instance, this one that I have right next to me, um, this was a prototype. Um, and a lot of people like this flange kind of top. Um, they like this sphere type shape as well in terms of, glass and redesigning um, glassware, you have to consider all the different factors in it. How does it feel in your hand? How does it look when your beer gets poured in there? 
it's like if it's too big and I pour a pint and it stops right here, it looks like it's half empty. Yeah. You know, most people are not a glass half full. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A million different things to consider. How does it feel in your hand? How does it look volume wise? And then how does it drink where it's like a spout like this? I'm going to be, you know, all the way back there trying to take the last sip. Yeah. And then cleaning wise, how the, how the heck, you know, (laughs) you can't get a sponge in there, you know, most people aren't pouring, you know, isopropyl alcohol and swirling it around. Um, so that's when it comes into play. Oh, where well, that's a good idea. I never thought of doing that. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the way. <laughs> I mean, I, you, I, my, I, I first wash with a sponge. Then I have a brush that I use and then I rinse with hot water and then I rinse with cold. Yeah, I mean that's that's great too. Like if, if you're an idiot like myself and you pour you know some smoothie beer in there and you drink three quarters of it and you wake up like the next day, so I'll dry it on there and uh, stuff. Yeah, then you've got a mess on your hands. Yeah, a little little ISO goes a long way. <laughs> See, I I would never allow one of my glasses to go like that. <laughs> the the uh, what's it called the enameling or the the photographs on there. I don't I don't know for sure, but I I wouldn't just douse it in alcohol yeah oh yeah it, i i bet it would mess that up for sure yeah, i'd hate to f- find out the hard way <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean and that's one thing i love about the the grail is that like you said it, you're you're only tipping a little bit for the first half of the beer because the, yeah. the the top bowl is so big yeah it's just in that shallow bowl <laughs> Once you start getting into like a little bit more of the narrow section, it fits great in the hand. It's uh, easy-ish to clean, you know. Uh, but yeah, that there's for something as simple as a cup to drink out of. Um, when you think of it in terms of design, it's been designed almost to the fullest extent. Whereas um, the more you change it and the more you mess with it, the more bubbles and curves and this and that that you add to it, a lot of times it can take away from the experience and like you want your drinking glass to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I want it to deliver beer into my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, Uh, you had talked a lot about, um, the, uh, thermal properties of the hard glass. Cause I'm not going to remember the actual, um, real term you used. Um, so does that mean, does it also work better for, uh, heat insulation? Um, does it, does it have any properties for that? Where like, if you're holding it, it doesn't transfer the heat from your hand into the beer as much, or does it not? I, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of doubt it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know, like the, I, I bet it's very similar, um, uh, However, um, I'm sure you've seen some of those double double walled, um, I guess, thermal cups. Yeah, um, it's basically like a cup with an outer jacket. Um, all of those are made out of uh, borosilicate glassware. Okay. Uh, so it's like, uh, yeah, in terms of um, the rate as to which it cools, um, I don't think that the type of glass really makes too much of a difference. Um, but with what you can do with the material. Um, for instance, like those double wall, um, jacketed cups and things like that, that will absolutely change on, um, how much heat dispersion goes into, into your hand, I guess. Yeah. 
So um, I'm not the only one that has a collaboration coming out with Saints Row. Um, you actually have a cool little project that you're working on with Tony too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I really couldn't be more excited. Uh, the people at, down at Saints Row and and, and Mac as well. It's um, uh, all all has just been tremendously amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to um, to announce. Um, I believe it's mid December um, that we have. It's called the Zorange Brulis or the Zorange Cream Brulis. One of those. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be uh, a really amazing release. Um, I'm working on a, a specific type of glass um, that's going to be available via a, a giveaway and also some pre-sales. Um, so yeah, come this December, um, any purchase of the Zorange Brewless um, beer from Saints Row is going to uh, enable you and give you a ticket to to join the raffle uh, for one of these these handmade uh, pints that I'm working on. Which I, I've seen. I don't know if I've seen the um, the finished one, but he sent me a video of one of the, of earlier prototypes. is pretty cool looking. Totally, yeah. I I just sent Tony. Um, what's it called? Maybe three three or four different options to choose from. We wanted to go with something a little bit um, um, orb shaped or kind of has a sphere um, atmosphere to it. Um, but we also want it to be something that's very drinkable. Um, and, uh, and fills in, fills in nicely with this like nice orange beer that we've got. Yeah. It's um, Zorin's Brulius. Is it Brulius? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how you say that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, the yeah, label I'm, looks really cool with like a play on your logo all in the back of the, behind the Saints Row logo. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I couldn't be, couldn't be more excited. Um, and we're going to make, um, uh, something uh, completely different than than what you've been seeing uh, normally from my pints uh, for the giveaway, and uh, or I guess the raffle. Um, and so yeah, it's really going to be a special um, shape with uh, special patterning um, and a December release for this orange Brulius. Um, it's it's really going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one almost as much as Super Hype Bros Three, but. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a slight bit of bias there. <laughs> yeah, I feel that, man. I mean, even I'm excited for the super hype, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Um, thank you so much for your time. Actually, do you want to? So your your website's launching soon. Um, do you want do you want to get, run through all the details of how people can get your your products? Yeah, that'd be that would be wonderful. Is um. Yeah, we're working on a lot over here at Zooted Glassworks, um, and before the end of the month, um, I, we're, we're shooting for end of the week, but definitely end of the month, we're going to be releasing our website. Uh, so the website is zootedglassworks.com. That's Z-O-O-T-E-D glassworks.com. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, zooted underscore glassworks. Um, and yeah, just um, check out the website. Right now, you can go there and you can sign up um for i guess like a, an email as to when we release um but we'll have all sorts of um of our designs it's all really nicely laid out we've got a wonderful process page where you can um discover how we make this stuff literally from the piece of tubing all the way down to putting it into the kiln and annealing all the stress out of it 
Um, so if anyone is interested in, um, in future orders or anything like that, um, please follow us on Instagram, zooted underscore glassworks, or check out our website, zootedglassworks.com. Adam, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your knowledge. Um, it's, I find it fascinating. Um, and that's why I love doing this. I get to talk to all these interesting people that teach me cool things. Awesome, man. Like, I couldn't be more happy to be on your show. And uh, thank you for the, the time to tell everyone what I've been up to. Right, and uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, man. Yeah. <laughs> the Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.